We bought a Dodge St. Regis because she used to have a Dodge a long time ago, a Coronet, and she liked Dodges. Her expert opinion, having owned one one time a long time ago, when her life was much happier, is that Dodges were good cars. On the way home from the dealership, turning to us from the front passenger seat, she told the story of that old Dodge Coronet. Her animation and gesticulations were of some woman that neither my dad nor my brother and I had ever seen before. Seemingly years younger, neck scarf, smartly knotted and shifted to the right side of her narrow throat, cigarette doing enthusiastic figure eights as she gleefully recounted some glory days. She reached the climax of her story with a broad hand gesture that sent the tip of the cigarette right into the fabric ceiling of the car, implanting a smoldering burn that would be there permanently. We never fixed anything that got broken or marred. Seeing what she had done, she looked up at the dark brown burn stain, looked at the tip of her cigarette, aged 30 years back to her normal self, and turned to face forward silently and puff her cigarette. Dad said nothing. Ten-year-old John becoming well aware before his time, shook his head silently. It might be another year before he would utter aloud what was plain and simple. We had two idiots for parents who had just purchased a car we couldn't afford, and within ten minutes of being the new owners, my mother had managed to char the interior. The St. Regis, appearing old, weathered, and louder than it ought to for a new vehicle, would stress our finances more than ever, and represented yet another failed negotiation on my father's part, even though the cost was slim in comparison to the luxury brands that her entire family owned. It was meant to have symbolized security, No more breaking down of the old Impala in the middle of busy Market Street and walking to a payphone or the nearest gas station to arrange a towing service on credit. And no more borrowing his sister's car so my dad could get himself to and from his shifts at the steel mill while waiting for the Impala to be resurrected once again. I knew nothing about cars except that everyone on my mother's Lebanese side of the family had ones that were high-end and far better than ours, and everyone on my father's Irish side had ones that were paid for. Instead of following the prudence regimented by my father's mother, we opted, with our feeble means, to keep up not with anyone named Jones or Smith or even Conroy Gibbons or Jenkins, but instead those with last names like Hayek, Bishara, Ashkar, Hana, Ferris, and Shaheen. 
financial profiles of the well-to-do Lebanese to which we could never ascend marked and tempered our decision-making and torqued our spending beyond reasonable choice and resolution. Her claim that Dad thought he was marrying a rich widow may have been true. His side of the story, he proposed in 1960, she turned him down. He went off to the army and she married the love of her life. The love of her life, Johnny Breitch, with the heart condition, died on the operating table in 1964. When my dad got back from the army, he proposed a second time. She told him that she was going to join a convent. He told her that he was going back to the army for the rest of his life and would go into battle as soon as he had any chance if she refused him and that she would never see him again. She conceded, and they married in 1965 at St. Dominic, his Irish parish, because the priest from the old country at St. Marin's, the Lebanese parish where all the Cadillac drivers belonged, refused to perform a wedding ceremony for a widow who had only been in mourning for six months. My dad never referred to Johnny with the heart condition in any negative terms, and he certainly didn't acknowledge him aloud as the love of her life. He referred to him simply as Johnny Breitch. That last name, Breitch, B-R-A-I-C-H, a unique plastering of phonemes, came up in conversation a lot with my mom and her four sisters and brother, The mishmash of guttural Arabic concealed their main topics, but every now and then a word or two for which there were no Arabic counterparts like proper names would pop out of the texture. My ears would catch it, and I would know who they were talking about, comparing and contrasting right there in front of my dad. In private, on the bed in my room while I brushed her hair as she told me stories or while we played Rummy 500, she defended her despair and bitterness. The love of my life died on that operating table. I was ready to join a convent and give myself to Jesus and the Blessed Mother. She told me this and other sad stories about two of her seven siblings and her parents who all met untimely deaths. Do you know what today is? She lit candles, tall votive ones in red glass that took seven days to burn. This is the date your grandfather died. He had cancer in his leg and slept on a bed in the dining room for the last year of his life. I dropped out of my senior year of high school and never left his side. Or, this is the date your Uncle Kaiser died from drowning. I'll never forget when the policeman came to the door to tell us they pulled his body out of Lake Milton. I collapsed on the staircase. Do you know what today is? This is the date your Aunt Josephine was accidentally shot by her husband when he was trying to break up a fight in their bar. 
He raised his gun to scare the crowd, and one of the other men hit his arm, causing him to shoot directly at the doorway where Josephine had just entered to see what the commotion was. All five of her children stood around her body, watching her die. But there was nothing anyone could do. It nearly killed your grandmother. This, this is this, the date that Johnny, the Johnny. This is the date Johnny, the love of my life, died on the operating table. The doctor, she emphasized with great reverence, referring to my eldest cousin, her favorite nephew. The doctor told me to say goodbye and to whisper gently in Johnny's ear, because hearing is the last sense to go when someone dies. Another day, another day, another candle, another candle, another day, another candle, another candle, another, another, another anniversary. This is the date your grandmother died. Say a prayer with me while I light the candle. It was a broken heart that killed her. One of the last things she told me was that I should have married that Irishman instead so that I would have avoided so much heartache with Johnny's death. Cancer, drowning, gunshot, heart failure. She wrapped up the story. But my life ended the day I married your father. But I'm glad I have you. Thank you.